Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. Okay, I am with Amelia Kasha, and she is dynamite. When you hear her speak, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But I love the fact that Amelia has been in the industry, the beauty industry, since 2004. And it's so awesome because you actually started in the salon when you were 16, mm-hmm. even before starting Costco. So mm-hmm. how did how did that happen, Amelia? Uh, my sister, my sister actually got her hair done by the stylist, the owner of that salon, and um, I had been looking to go to Costco, and she's like, "Well, go there and see if you can get in and assist." So I went in mm-hmm. and got my hair done by her, and then she did like my interview then and there, and then mm-hmm. I was started working there like almost immediately. How did you know that you wanted to be a hairstylist? I've always done like my friend's hair and stuff like that when I was younger. And really, I was taking cosmetology school so I wouldn't have to work in a bar before I did nursing school. And, you know, when I went through school, I took it as a vocational class. And um, I actually dropped out at 1,300 hours because I was not very motivated within that school. Then I pursued pursued beauty school dropout. Yeah, I pursued <laughs> nursing, and wow. then I was okay. like, "This clearly isn't for me." <laughs> uh, how long did you last in the nursing program? Uh, well, I just did the prerequisites. I think it was like two semesters. And okay. I was like, well, we're okay. gonna go back and get my license. Prereqs. Okay. So I went back and got my license, and then I was at, still at the salon at the time as well. So I was working through as in college, and then working in the salon too. I went to night school. And then at that point, I was just going, I was getting my license, and then then I started doing hair and styling. But I was also working at a restaurant as well. So basically, let's talk a little bit more about your dad not wanting yeah. you to be a hairstylist. Is that correct? So talk about that a little bit. What was the transforming moment for you for that? You know, him and I, like I said, butted heads, and it was hard on me because I just wanted to make them proud. And you know. Um, He understands it a lot more now that he gets to see what I actually do and why I do it. And, you know, I put my heart into it. And, no, it doesn't happen overnight because success takes time. And, yeah, he was definitely a big big one to convince, like, this is my path. This is what I'm doing. Even when I did, like, the learning layer, I was like, okay, what's next? I'm like, I just want to live in this. I want to live in that moment and build where I'm at and then... Who knows? Like, I can't predict the future, you know, but he's always like, what are you doing next? What are you doing next? What are you doing next? You know, but he's yeah. always been. He's driven. That's where you get driven. drivenness. Yes. 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 That's yes. where you get your drive yes. and your energy. Yes. Because I was wondering if you mm-hmm. got it from your mom or your dad or yeah. both. 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 Um, okay. So let, let's touch more on that because now you're a learning leader here at the Paul Mitchell School. So you uh, quit full-time behind the chair, which mm-hmm. was awesome. In 2015, went through the Paul Mitchell instructor program. Yeah. And then you became, right away, We hi- I remember we hired yeah. you at the Sterling Heights <laughs> location. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as we opened the school, we knew that Amelia was the person to take on this mm-hmm. new school. Yeah. And so it's not easy to start a brand new school. Trust no. me, I know, because yeah. we started one in 2006 and then again in 2011. Right. And then... 2017, 2017, yeah, so here in uh, Farmington Hills where you started, and what's crazy is I remember when we started our school in Fort Myers, it took two 
three years, mm-hmm. maybe four, to really, really get the culture up and running. Yeah. Because when you th- think about the palmetto culture, and I'll let you talk about it from your mm-hmm. side, but when you think about the culture, it's not easy to put it into a, a new company. And the reason exactly. is, is because people don't grow up with that culture. Mm-hmm. People don't grow up with a sense of, hey, you have to be nice and mm-hmm. you have to play nice with yeah. each other. And we have to, we don't have to like each other, but we have to love each other. Yes. And so it's a whole different kind of ball game. Mm-hmm. And so trying to get people to believe in that, it starts with the leadership. Yeah. And honestly, when I look uh, back and I think we, we've already established a very strong culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and so we, we call in the Paul Mitchell School, we call it Team Vision, Visionary Fence that are Resistor. Mm-hmm. So, so tell, like that's part of our culture. So mm-hmm. what does that mean to you, that Team Vision, Visionary Fence that are Resistor, first of all? So the visionaries are the ones, obviously, that they see and they want to uphold that vision, mm-hmm. you know, of the culture and stuff like that. And that's what I tell those guys on phase two and you know on phase one like if you want to see it you got to be it you know mm-hmm. and the fence sitters those ones sometimes gonna be harder than the resistors because they're just like well which way do i go like because a lot of people have a hard time removing themselves from their friend group that might be pulling them down to that resistor area mm-hmm. you know and you know a lot of times with the resistors they gotta start with their personal because whatever's yes. going on with that They've got to figure Ooh. out what they want. Okay. And so if you, they if you need to find see it for themselves yeah. as a resistor, whatever company you're in mm-hmm. right now, if you if you see yourself, hopefully you do see yourself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're a resistor yeah. And so um, think of it like it could have something to do at home. Are you struggling yeah. with something at home? Mm-hmm. So bring that to light. So you talked. You know, the student said that she's not going to give up on you. What created that, Amelia? Because I can tell you right now, that's such an incredible quality. How did you get that quality to stick with people and to not take it personal as an attack against you, mm-hmm. but yet you're like, no, 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 that's not attack against me. This is just them, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with you. I'm going to stick with mm-hmm. you. How do you not take it personal? Because I think that's the biggest challenge for our learning yes. leaders uh, you know, across the nation is mm-hmm. taking it personal. How do you do that? I took it personal for a, you know a long time, but I know that I can't do that because it doesn't do any good for them. Right. You know, me yeah. taking it personally. Um, there's times to taking it personal, and then there's not times, right? Like if they see and appreciate you, right? Like obviously you that's personal. You know, we're in a personal business, right? We work with people, and you just have to figure out how to separate that. And I think it's going to, I think it's different for everybody on how they separate that. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's just remembering the goal and the vision and it's to help them. And in order to help them, I have to help myself first too Ooh, okay. and get, get right with me, you know? So these are just like tangible things that mm-hmm. you could do. So now you have, we have an entire school of visionaries, mm-hmm. which is unbelievable. Yeah. I walk in, you can just feel the visionariness, whatever you want to call yeah, it. The yeah. vibe yeah, is the vibe, outstanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what do you think 
caused it. So I know we've, we've taken a few resistors and got mm -hmm. them back to where they were in the beginning because I meet them all in the yeah. beginning and yeah. they are visionaries when they first right. start and then life happens, mm -hmm. right? And Paul Mitchell, I mean, the school is not easy yeah, at no. all. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I did so bad that I actually fired myself. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Yeah. And uh, so as we look at that, what do you think caused that shift? What do you think was the leader shift that happened in this bill? Uh, the staff coming together, okay, and creating so a unity. Plan. Mm -hmm. So unity. How did that yeah. uh, unity happen? Like, what what do you think caused the unity of the staff first? Um, us getting out all of our frustrations and being honest with each other and honest with ourselves. Vulnerable transparency. Yes. Authenticity. Yes. With each other. Mm -hmm. Communication. Having those hard conversations. Hard conversations. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Tell me. Um, what is it, because I'm coaching salon owners right mm -hmm. now that really struggle with having those hard conversations with their staff, and mm -hmm. I also have obviously three salons, and so I'm always coaching my directors how to mm -hmm. have hard conversations. What's the best advice you can give for people of how to have those hard, because I feel like you have always been really great at that, mm -hmm. Amelia, like you're not afraid to go there with yeah. people, like yeah. you have that mm -hmm. uh, fighter instinct inside yeah. of you that was just like you were born with mm -hmm. and I think a lot of it had attributed to the adversity in your life yeah. first your dad leaving at five and yeah. then your grandma passing mm -hmm. away yeah. that fighter instinct has kicked mm -hmm. in like yeah. you're a victor not a victim <laughs> yeah. right yeah and I believe that so what do you think causes you to have that and what advice could you give to people to have hard conversations with people you just gotta do it you're gonna just make mistakes it. you're gonna say the wrong thing yeah um they're going to be mad at like, you know, and I tell these guys, you're going to be mad at me sometimes. Yeah. You know, uh, but know that I'm trying to set you up for success. It's not because I'm out to get you. It's never because I'm out to mm -hmm. get you. And, um, what do you think causes people to think that, oh, they're out to get me or they're singling me out? What do you, where do you think that comes from? Um, I'm not quite sure. It, it could be stemming from something that happened in their past. Yeah. And you know, in their personal life, I think so. Um, mm -hmm. It could be also, you know, say one learning leader says the same thing to somebody over and over, mm -hmm. you know, without communicating. But we've grown within that too, so that's part of how the culture is. You know, now there's more communication with the staff, mm -hmm. more but, consistency, yes, more communication. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Um, but you just got to do it, and you know, what I did is. Um, a really nervous conversation that I had and it was with Sean and um, I wrote down and I know how like no, it's knowing how people are um, knowing the way that they like to learn knowing you know how they want to hear things you know because a lot of people say that they want to hear it straight up yeah. but you can tell by but their micro, micro yeah. expressions <laughs> or their body language mm -hmm. and that's a lot of things that I pay attention to and you know Mm. read about body language, read about, you know, how to coach. Um, Dare to Lead is a very good, Brene Brown yes. is, Great I love book. her. Yes. Brene Brown, like read all of her books. 
powerful. You invest in yourself, Mm -hmm. and leaders are readers of people, and that's the best thing that you have taken. And I always Mm -hmm. I see in your office too um, when you do sit down to talk to a student, you never sit across a desk. You always sit Mm -hmm. beside them. I try to like, and which I think is awesome because Mm -hmm. Brene Brene Brown talks about that. Until you're able to actually Mm -hmm. sit next to somebody, Mm -hmm. then you're not able to have a conversation with them because it represents a barrier. Yes, represents a barrier. When you have a desk, it represents the uh, you know a barrier, and you know um, so taking those things like if 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 you're really nervous about the conversation, write down three things that you got to talk about, you know, and make them facts. Make them facts. Make sure that you have you know you've investigated the facts Mm -hmm. uh, because I do a lot of investigation and. A lot of these things I know because I've made the mistakes of going in yeah. and not knowing. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, I, I I can't say enough that like you've you've just got to do it and you so know write you have down to the be facts, comfortable come with come prepared. Yeah, mm-hmm. with with it whether you're laying it down, not necessarily sitting there where you're right. reading off of it, mm-hmm. right? But you have it just in case. Yeah. you know, I just I just yeah. need to double check my papers mm-hmm. here. <laughs> okay, and I don't assume that. outcomes. Don't assume outcomes. Don't assume that, you know, because you've had this experience with this person, it's going to be the same experience with that Mm -hmm. person because you never know what the outcome could be. What their reaction, how they're going to respond. Yes. Or react. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Like, uh, that was, I think that was a big learning thing for me because it's like, okay, you know, like the thing, people like it straight up. Really? And, you know, that's something that I I don't think anybody really does. You know, yeah. Yeah. And, maybe get um, to the point, but right. not necessarily. Yes, exactly. Come exactly. at me hard. Yeah, yeah. And be able to take feedback. Yeah, I, I, I kind of pride myself on, like, no matter what it is, being able to take feedback. Yes, and, that's like, the one thing I love the most yeah. about you, Amelia. And I feel like that's why you've grown. Uh, one of the learning leaders that's grown the most mm-hmm. in our companies. Like I said, the most improved player because of your coachability. Yeah. So. I feel like this series is called Be Compassionate because I feel just your compassion, first of all, towards your mom when you were young, and now you've got this compassion to meet your your real dad, and you had that compassion for your grandma. I feel like everything set you up for have the compassion Mm -hmm. for the future professionals. And we call them future professionals. (laughs) Yes, yes, and the drive Mm -hmm. from your dad to want things to be better. Like you want a life of significance, Mm -hmm. not just success, but significance. Like you want to change people's lives. and, And just changing someone from a visionary to to a vision or from a fence that are to a uh, visionary Mm -hmm. that changes lives right and Mm -hmm. so we're going to hear shortly from her future professionals that she has been coaching it's the first time I've actually interviewed my future professionals in my school and the reason why is because MIP man most improved players like watching (laughs) watching these future professionals just Mm -hmm. shift the vibe it's like never underestimate mm-hmm. the power of what one person can do to change the world because that's the only thing that ever has. And as you look at Amelia and you think about the shifts that she's made with these future professionals, and now you're going to hear from them in a few moments. But Amelia, thank you so much for doing this podcast interview. Yeah, and now you. you're going to hear from her students. Yes, so, yes, yes stay tuned. 
I am sitting here with Amelia's Future Professionals. It's her phase two Future Professionals here at the Palmetto School in Farmington Hills. So Kenzie, hello. Kenzie hello. not only is on phase two, but she's taken over the social media. We've never had a student at any of my schools. I've been doing the schools since 2001. We've never had a student step up and take on social media like you have. So um, what? Why are you a visionary, and what do you do to stay in that mindset of a visionary? Because it's not easy. It's yeah. actually, well, to me, it's easier to stay a visionary, but most people will say it's easier to be a resistor, to follow the crowd. Why do you not follow the crowd? Why do you stand out? I like to help others grow, because that makes me grow as a person. I love social media, and I love um, trying to grow my following. So I want to help others make their beauty page the best that it can be and grow their following. So why do you want to help people? Like, where did that come from? Because I feel like that um, success to significance is where I see you, Kenzie. What happened in your life that caused you to want to help people to grow? I've just always been that giver. Yeah. Um, so I just love helping others and making others' day because that makes my day and that makes my life a lot happier. What do you think caused the shift in the mindset with phase two now? When do you graduate? Um, beginning of July. Yeah, so a little ways out. But mm -hmm. what do you think caused the, the shift in phase two? Because I feel like phase two has changed the whole vibe in the school. Right. Uh, because of all of your positive mindsets and your leader shifts that all of you have made, what do you think caused the shift between all of you in this building? I think we just all come every day with a positive attitude and we try and spread that across the whole school. Mm -hmm. Being positive is going to get you so far because negativity is just going to affect everybody's mood. So we try and stay positive, help others, and that brings everybody else in the school positive vibes. Yeah, yeah. What do you do specifically? What kind of habits have you created in your life? to be positive day in, day out. Because I'm sure you have your moments yes. that you're just like, man, I just want to crawl back in bed and pull the, pull the blankets back over my head. And um, <laughs> I love looking at out. quotes every morning. Okay. Um, positivity okay. quotes. That really helps me get through. Mm -hmm. Remembering why I'm here. Remembering my goals in life. I love it. So at least, uh, tell me about you. Like, Were you just born with a smile on your oh face? Or was there ever a time that you were just like angry at life. I started, I was like a part-time resistor and I'm not gonna deny that. Like I started, we yes. were the first night school or first okay. night class. We had nobody to look up to. Hey, like can you help me? Can you make me feel a little bit better about this? I'm having a bad day. We didn't have that. So it was nice to be able to become that. But, but you made a shift, you made a leadership and said, okay, wait a minute. If it's not gonna be them, it's gonna be me. Yeah. I, oh, I, how'd you do that shift? Okay, I rely on everybody. So I was over on phase one, and I mean, we were all in it together, and I was like, there was nobody to reach out to. And I was like, okay, well, when I found out about phase two, I was like, I have to do that. So it pushed me to do things that I was not comfortable with, which helped me, and it had other people looking to me like, okay, maybe, maybe I can do that. Maybe you can help me now. And I was just, I was the person that I needed doing the same haircut over and over again and just thinking, I'm trapped. And I was okay. like, okay, no, we need to push ourselves and get out of our comfort zones and do things that we don't really maybe want to do and become more comfortable with that. Yeah. And that really helped me. Yeah, so. that's beautiful, I love that. So Caroline, tell me 
about you. Like, how do you stay so positive all of the time? And what do you think was the leadership that phase two actually made? What do you think is the leadership? Um, well, I think the biggest thing is just when you walk through the door, leave everything behind. So all your problems, leave it at the door because whatever is going outside of school shouldn't affect the way you act inside of the school. Okay, so Sydney, so tell me about you. Like, like what did you start out as? Did you start out as a, a visionary, fence-sitter, or a resistor? Like, be honest. Like, where did you start? Um, and uh, where are you now? I think I started as a fence-sitter. And then I flip-flopped definitely between being a resistor and being a visionary. Okay, I love honesty. Yeah. I love um, that. Tell me, tell me what characteristics designated so if you were you know you're standing here speaking to a group of students what characteristics made you a resistor first of all and what characteristics made you a fence setter what were you doing um i definitely think that i've been in phase two through for a while now so i've seen a lot of the girls come in and out which i think was a big thing for me like seeing like the first group of friends that i made leave definitely was when i resisted a little bit so the um, first group of friends. Yeah, like here when they all gra they graduated. Oh, okay, they graduated. So when they graduated, I think that for me, I was like, oh well, I'm just kind of like here by myself. Yeah. And then having all these girls come on, I think has definitely made a positive shift. So it's who you surround yourself with. For me, I think okay. it is. I okay. think it's a big. Um, I get a lot of positivity from this group, and yeah. I think that helps every day to push myself to become a visionary. Yeah. Um, the accountability and especially I graduate soon and um, pushing myself to learn the most that I can in the short period of time that we're here yeah is a big thing yeah what's the number one quality you think that you need as you leave the school and are you going to be working in a salon yes when you graduate what's the number one quality you think you need to have and to really get good at like what have you been struggling with that you're like okay I'm going to have that essential skill down and that's the one what do you think it is um, maybe like the aspect of teamwork and um, an open mind to learn what you want to learn mm. and learn what everyone gives you. Yes. I think is really big for me. Um, I learn so much from these girls every day and I truly like, I think my biggest takeaway is just always be wanting and willing to learn. Mm. I That's so powerful, Sydney, because... We have in our companies, you know, quite a few, not only our students, but our staff that aren't coachable, okay? And those are the ones that are always held back, always held back in their growth, in, in their growth, how much they make, because they're not coachable. And so we've lost a lot of staff members because of not being coachable. So are you coachable now, or do you still struggle with that coachability? Like, what's caused you to not be coachable? Um... I think that I struggle sometimes to be coachable. I do my best every day to like be open and I think that would be where like you could have a conversation with someone to say, hey, the way that you're coaching me isn't mm -hmm. helpful to the way that I learn Okay. or um, something along those lines to where you're doing your best to make 
right of the situation that you're in. So lead your leader. You're going to lead, lead your leader, which yeah. I think is awesome. So be compassionate towards that. Okay. And then what else could you do as far as to work on yourself so that you can own perceptions and own that coachability to be able to say, so for instance, um, we were coaching one of our staff members recently and she completely took offense. And I know for a fact that she was coached with a lot of compassion, but yet she still took offense. And come to find out she has a lot of personal problems at home. And so she needs to go to work. Because I believe leadership starts at home. And so unless you're cleaning up uh, what's happening at home, you're not going to be coachable at work because you're always going to bring in your problems with you. And so she could potentially um, lose her job with us because she's not coachable because it's, it's so exhausting for a leader to constantly be coaching somebody on what they need to do, right? And so talk about that. Like what can you do differently for yourself, Sydney, as you grow so that you can own perceptions of what needs to be done so that you can be coachable? Like, what do you think you need to do? I think the biggest thing that I need to do and have been doing is trying to make a positive shift in my own personal life. I know a lot of people like to play their favorite song on the way to you know work. Um, it gets them pumped up, right? And so they come into the school and there's like, I'm on top of the world, you know? At some moments, I'm like, I am not walking that building right now because I'm going to Starbucks first. <laughs> Go grab my Starbucks, get in my happy place because I know when I walk in here, I have to be in a great mood, no matter what's going on outside, because I, I have to take responsibility, like Caroline said, for the energy that I'm bringing into the space. So what can you do specifically? What's a good habit for you? Um, I think the thing that I've been trying to implement the most, um, we watched a video last week that talked about how you're, the first hour of the day, you are yes. the most impressionable. Yes. Um, and so I've, tried to start implementing not looking at my phone when I get out of bed yes. and just being present in the morning. I live with it's my good. grandparents, so it's really nice to like catch up, have breakfast with my grandma, have a cup of coffee, take a deep breath. And then on my way to school, I always call my mom. That's my morning routine. I always talk to her. Cap, let's come over to you because, uh, Cap, I know um, you were talking last week how much you struggled in the beginning, and you didn't want to be a part of phase two. Now you're the biggest proponent of phase <laughs> two. Like, talk about a most improved player, right, is Cap. So what shift did you make in your leadership? So I've always been in a position of leadership my whole life, whether it's captain of a cheer team, I was student, I was president of a student org in college that had a $60,000 budget. Um, it was just like all of these responsibilities. So I've always felt that like it was always up to me, even if it wasn't necessarily given to me to carry the torch and make sure things go well. Um, so when I started school, I was like a visionary. I just wanted to be here. I love school, we picked Tina up. Like we were riding to school every morning yeah. happy. Mm -hmm. And then like, it was like this shift where it's like nothing made me happy. I would come to school, I'm upset all the time, and I never could figure out what why. What was going on there? Um, I think that I was just mostly upset with me feeling like it wasn't, I felt like the people around me weren't really invested the way that I was invest, invested. And I felt mm -hmm. as if like I needed everyone around me to operate in that place where we're all reaching for a common goal so we can get to where we need to go. 
And a lot of that came from, one, a lot of people feel comfortable with confiding in me. I feel like sometimes I'm like a counselor. Like, mm-hmm. even with some people, if I see they're upset, I'll pull you and be like, hey, I need you to calm down. Like, I just, let's breathe together. Let's talk this out. Nice. And then let's figure out mm-hmm. a proactive solution so when you go back into this place, like, we can operate. Whenever I see someone angry, I always let them know, like, hey, this is my experience and this is where it got me. So if you continue to do this, you will get here and it's going to take you so long to get from this point. Like, I graduate on the 24th, so I have like a month of school left. And it really, like, is mind boggling that I let so much time go past by not knowing how to effectively communicate my point. So, what do you think, what advice do you have? for Sydney's to let you know if you are coming on too strong? What advice do you have? Honesty. Honesty. I think that when you're honest with how you feel, one thing- So don't shirk away from the coachability, but be honest. Yep, you know, a lot of times, a lot of people get their act together when you start throwing advisories. I know I did. When she was like, I'll write you up. I'm like, what? Yeah, I get a what? Uh-huh. <laughs> so I think sometimes when you get to like, okay, your yeah. contract will got obligations and maybe even going through it. Because a lot of times we forget what we sign. Yeah. Right. We'll be like, oh, just that long packet or whatever. No, yeah. like go through that packet and let me know. Go like the you're legally obligated to do these things. And it's like, I don't want to be follow the rules, Sally. But like we have to follow the rules. Yeah. yeah. So like just talking about the golden rules, like. Honestly, as I look at them, I'm like, that's just going to help set you up for success. It, essential skills. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 85% of success. And so, Courtney, so tell me about you. Like, where did you start? I always thought you were a visionary, but I was, were you a quiet visionary I, for a Much like August. Okay. Much, definitely okay. much like August. I was yeah. a quiet visionary. I have all of these creative ideas, and I want to implement so much within the school, and I want to see so much change. But for me, much like August, I was really, I stayed to myself. And so for me, it was like, okay, you have all of these great ideas, and you want to see so much change, but you have to be the change that you want to see. So you can't get other people to see the visions you have. Mm-hmm. You can't get other people to be visionary if you're not doing it yourself. You yeah. have to be the change that you want to see. Because in this industry, do you think that you can just get by with walk-ins? Never, (laughs) never, absolutely not Why do you have to be hungry? Why do you have to hustle? How do you stay in that place? What do you do? You are not successful until you are making money in your sleep. Talk to some, oh, you're not successful until you're making money in your sleep. You are not successful until you are making money in your sleep, until you have residual income. Most millionaires, and I mean literally about 95% of millionaires, have seven sources of income. So until you have seven consistent sources of income, why wow. aren't you hungry? You have to go after what Talk you want. Talk to the person that's not hungry. Kind of ask them what what is it about your life or what is it about your aspirations or things that you may want that you're not driven? Why aren't you passionate? Yeah. And kind of try to meet them much like Cap was saying. It's a reason that people yeah. don't go after things they want. There's something holding them back. There's something and, holding them back. Yeah, there's something holding them back. And How do they find that? How do they find what's holding them back? I don't think they really can find it without visionaries coming into their life, people that may mm. see something in them or people that just may want to help them. Yeah, so get around visionaries. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.